What is up, Conscious Monkeys? Welcome back to another episode of Traveling to Consciousness. As always, I'm your host, Clanky Terry. And before we get jumping into, we get started, we get moving into the new episode we have with this week's guest, I do want to encourage you to listen to this podcast on the official Traveling to Consciousness app available on the iOS and Google Play Store. It is so cool to me to have my own app and to be able to organize all of the material that I create into one singular space just for you guys. You're going to have access to articles. You're going to have access to audio tapes. You're going to have access to extra stuff that people don't have just on the normal Spotify or Apple. Now, here's the extra thing is that you have an option to sign up and support me through a $3 a month membership, which gets you some small access, but really the main benefit is supporting the show. And I love the idea of transparency. So I want to let you know that every dollar I make through this platform is going to be reinvested back into the podcast, whether it's getting better equipment, whether it's just funding the overhead that I have right now. I just want to make that clear to you that all money made through that sponsorship will go straight back into the podcast as is most money that I'm creating right now. Anyhow, with that being said, you also have options to sign up for a fifth density conscious monkey membership, which gets you the podcast completely 100% ad free, as well as gets you the YouTube videos. Well, they're technically on YouTube, but they're not showing on YouTube. So you basically get these videos that are not available anywhere else in the entire universe. So you get access to the video, you get access to the, the podcast ad free and there's a couple other things coming down the road, but that's another higher tier option. So I want to leave that out there for you. So hopefully I see you there and hopefully you're listening to this podcast on the official traveling to consciousness platform. And if not, no worries. I still love you. So let's get into the episode with this week's guest. Exploring spiritual journeys to find answers in uncertainty. And so, you know, now we're live. So, Tom Palladino, thanks for being here, man. I'm excited to talk to you and see what we can uncover. How much? Let's let's hope uh, we can cover this incredible emerging science scalar energy uh, well, let's do our best okay and i think the best place to just start off is what is this thing that you created and what's what's going on man what have you experienced yeah well um to traveling to consciousness <clears throat> we are indeed traveling to consciousness what do i mean by that scalar energy is consciousness i'm working in the realm of scalar energy it's non-physical it's the intelligence of the universe. It is consciousness. Now, why is that important? Well, consciousness controls everything. Consciousness is the master of the universe. So as we move forward and we see that this new realm of, of if you will, this dimension, this new science, it is just filled with opportunity. It's Tesla energy. Some people might call that chi or prana. What is, what is relevant is this. Consciousness is real. It is a type of energy. It is a type of instruction. And once we can tap into that, you really, you're in the driver's seat. And this is what Tesla had such a, such a longing for, 
to control this type of energy. He called it radiant energy. I call it scalar energy. Some people might call it consciousness. It, it's the game changer. Yeah, and so, I mean, we have a pretty mindful, a pretty aware community. I think that the science probably portion of this is where we're going to need to be delicate to bring people into it. So just like surface level, if someone's like, you know, what what have you done with this energy? Like, what is the device that you have actually created and that you're using? And like, what's the properties of this device? I, I think that's probably a great place to start. And then we'll unpack the, let's say, chaos that lies beneath it. <laughs> Um, that is really one of the keys to my research. I'm working with scalar energy. It's not electricity. <clears throat> I've developed, modeled my career after Tessa and Hieronymus, two scalar energy researchers. And I was able to, if you will, over 30 years ago, look at and work with the Hieronymus scalar energy instruments. Hieronymus was an American inventor one of the few men on the planet to ever develop a scalar energy instrument or what we, we might consider a consciousness instrument. So this is the key to my research. This is not theoretical. It's a practical approach. I have scientific instruments that control this spectrum of energy. And when you can control scalar energy, sky's the limit. You're, you're in the driver's seat. So I, I guess I feel like we just got to take like one step back. It feels like though you're you're explaining the concept of what scalar energy is, this mystical consciousness-based energy that is outside of this physical domain of existence. But what what is it specifically that you have created that you're leveraging and that you're using to let's say channel this energy into the physical world? Yeah, that, that, you're right. That's the key. So I've developed scalar energy instruments that allow me to control that other dimension. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, I'm no longer bound by the laws of electricity and magnetism. There's a different set of principles, scalar energy principles, which is intelligence. So I leave behind the physical world and I accept, I walk into the consciousness of the universe. Now, when I work with these instruments, I'm working with the intelligence of the universe. So I'm transmitting, or if you will, I'm instructing with these instruments. It's, it's not a chemical process. If you want to produce a change in this physical world, it's some type of chemical process. It, it involves some type of a, a, a chemical bond or chemical process. I work with intelligence, and the intelligence that I work with holds together the chemical bonds. So I avoid the physical world. I avoid the chemical bonds. And I work with the, if you will, consciousness of the universe, the intelligence of the universe. And in so doing, I can instruct matter. I can instruct the seven chakras. I can instruct the emotions. So there is a higher order. And that higher orders is not the electromagnetic spectrum. It's the scalar energy spectrum. And the scalar energy spectrum instructs the universe, including electricity and magnetism. So I want to make this very clear to your audience. The primary, the initial energy of the universe is scalar energy. The secondary energy, the derivative of scalar, is electricity and magnetism. 
So we're working today in an electromagnetic environment, so to speak. This is what we observe. But that's the secondary energy, which is imperfect energy. Why not work with the perfect energy, scalar energy, that puts you in the driver's seat, scalar energy that controls everything, including electricity and magnetism? It's scalar energy, consciousness that is the prime mover in the universe. That's it. It's that simple. Right, because it it seems to me, and I started digging into some physics, uh, some physics behind this and the connection between it all, and it seems to be that there is this underlying field that connects, like you're saying, electricity, magnetism, and then even gravity. It, it seems in your you know your studies, you've mostly been focusing on the electro and magnetive portion of it. Another thing that's interesting to note is the idea of the chemical makeup, right? Everything we do in this physical domain is chemically based, whether it's the food we're ingesting, the way that we spray pesticides on crops, the way that we make bigger crops, the way we apply makeup to our face, the way that we actually propel cars forward is all a chemical reaction. And so like what, how is this happening? Right? Like in night, I would love if we could also just kind of step back and look at it from a lens of, you know, the first time that we kind of talked and tried to figure this stuff out, you asked me for a, a photo. And so like, why, why'd you ask me for a photo and what's going on with that photo? Okay. So again, to, to have this underpinning, this understanding, we're not working with electricity. So I'll use my photograph as an example. People will email me a photograph. This is my photograph. My photograph has energy. My photograph has a scalar energy signal. My photograph is my bilocated version. Is this a, so and is this similar to like aura that they talk about? Yes. Like your aura? Yes. It's the spirit body. It's the aura. It's the quantum field. So there's quantum energy on a photograph. So I never work with people. I work with their bilocated version, which is their photograph. In other words, every photograph that you and I have ever taken represents us in the auric field. Obviously, it's just an energy field. It's non-physical. But instead of working with people, I don't want to do that. I would much rather work with a photograph. It's much simpler, easier. And again, I'm working at that higher realm, that scalar energy realm. So we bypass the chemical reaction. And all we do is administer light energy through a photograph. The photograph serves as the identification of a person's aura. A photograph identifies my signature of consciousness. So how, and this is where it kind of gets interesting and this probably mm -hmm. ties into some element of now being the only moment in existence. Mm -hmm. How is it that a photo taken of me from whenever I was one years old, three years old, 12 years old, is still a representation of me who I am today? Yes, you've shown your expertise already. Regardless of when your photograph is taken, it still reports who you are in the present moment. So every photograph that you and I will ever take in our lives only reports one time frame now, the I am moment. Everything is in the present now. Meaning what? Scalar energy transcends time and space. So scalar energy is always in the present moment. Now, this is very interesting. This this leads us again into this new science, this new understanding of reality. 
There is no time in a scalar energy force field. There's no past. There's no future. There's only the present. So when somebody sends me a photograph, I've worked many times with photographs that are 20 years old, 30 years old. That photograph reports your constitution right now, or at least your auric constitution in the present moment. Because there's some sort of this like underlying field that kind of ties it all together. Yes. Yes, exactly. Isn't that fascinating? So we transcend time and space. Well, right. In that spectrum, we're bound by time and space. And I guess what gravity is almost that portal into that other realm or dimension of time and space that you're able to transcend it. Yes. Yes. There have been scalar energy scientists who've developed anti-gravity instruments and the way they overcome gravity is simply by nullifying it with a certain scalar energy force field. So it's scalar energy, scalar light causes gravity. Now, if you can manipulate, you can control scalar energy, you can control gravity. So what does this mean to mankind? Well, shoot, we're, we're heading into an era where we can control gravity. Which is crazy. Some might say that there's government organizations that already do, but we can cross that bridge a little bit later. I, I would I would love to at least kind of still take like a step back because I feel like we're jumping pretty deep into the physics rabbit hole, which by all means is a very important element to this. And instead, kind of step back, right? Like I, I give you this photo and are you able to kind of walk us through some sort of a visual visualization of what is actually occurring? Like just, just leaving out any of the physics, scalar, electromagnetic, you know, you know, gravity, like just leave those all at the wayside. Like what at a visualization level is happening whenever I give you my photo? So I, I actually print out a photograph. So I would take a person's photograph, print it out on a piece of paper and then place it inside an instrument, place a person's photograph inside a scalar energy instrument. Now, when I do that, the photograph of the person allows me, if you will, to access their quantum field. And there are a number of functions that I can uh, appeal to and conduct on a person's quantum field. For instance, I, I have a standardized session in which I can take a person's photograph, ascertain their seven chakras, and balance them. Because chakras are composed of scalar energy, they're non-physical. So one of our programs, one of our protocols is taking a person's photograph, balancing their seven chakras with this energy, balancing their brain waves. As a result, people feel better. They have this, this sense of an emotional uplift. Many people say that they no longer are depressed or that their uh, sleeping habits have improved. They can achieve a meaningful night of sleep without interruption. Now, all of that calls to mind that we're working on the conscious and subconscious level. It's information. Yeah, it's something that's very fascinating, right? Is that this, it is this information field. And, you know, for a, how do I want to articulate it? The idea that I've always kind of been presented with is the Akashic Records. I'm not sure yes. how much. Yeah, that's, is, yes. that, is that the same field it's that we're pulling energy from? Precisely. So some people have a notion, theorize that there is an Akashic record. That's a recording of all information, all activity in the universe. Yes, I call that the mind of God. Some people might call that consciousness. But in order to have a well-organized universe, you have to have perfect communication. And that 
communication must be instantaneous and continuous. Now, what type of communication can you have in the universe to, to maintain order? It has to be instantaneous, perfect communication, which is consciousness. This episode of Traveling to Consciousness is brought to you by Conscious Technologies, LLC. Talk about an aligned company name. This company creating technology that will revolutionize the way that humanity is able to resonate or vibrate with the electromagnetic frequency of your phone, of your Wi-Fi router, of the light bulbs in your house, of really anything. What they do is they have created these amazing minerals, amazing units that you can either place on the back of your phone, you can wear it as a necklace, or they even have like little in-house generators, if you will, that can unify the entire field of an entire house. I've experienced these things in person, and I unequivocally can tell you that it does something and it helps you feel more present, more calm, and more connected to the spiritual dimension, if you will. And I highly recommend that you also check out episode number 034, where I actually talked to one of the co-founders and it blew my mind away. One of my favorite episodes where we actually get into how he creates it, why it's created. And, you know, if this wasn't enough of a sell for you, go check out that episode because I know that it will sell you after that. Conscious Technologies, LLC, harmonizing the planet one person at a time. This episode of Traveling to Consciousness is brought to you by Mushy Love. Mushy Love is a latte-type, blendable, mushroom, caffeine-free elixir that honestly tastes like a liquid cinnamon roll. And I know that you're going to find that on their website, but it's honestly true. It's stacked with more than twice the amount of mushrooms as any other mushroom latte. And I know that there's one in particular that we all think about, which kind of starts with the word mud, but this one blows that one out of the water. I highly, highly recommend if you even try that one to just give this one a shot. And I promise you that you will not, you will not be sorry because I just, uh, it's so good. It's honestly so good. And I want to get to a place where I can actually just, they send me these all the time for free. So please go and buy it because if you buy more then they'll start sending me more. And it's just honestly a win-win because it tastes amazing. Like even in water. So even if you're cutting, even if you don't want to like put milk in or coffee with it, you can just do it plain in water. And it's so freaking good guys. Go click the sponsors link below. Scroll down to mushy love buy your pack today. Remember promo code Clayton promo code. I can't even talk right now. Promo code Clayton at checkout for 10% off your purchase. Mushy love mushrooms. Shouldn't have to taste like mud. Give yourself some mushy love, which is scalar energy. It's interesting, right? Because where my mind's kind of going with this is in a visualization route. I'm sure in the actual fabric of the way the universe works, it probably doesn't look like what I'm about to explain. But as humans, we need some sort of visual tool. So if it's a conscious energy, the information field, which I believe they're starting to actually prove exists within every organism and item as there's an information field, but sidestepping that we all can agree that at some level we are conscious. There's far different levels to that for everyone. Some people are a lot more conscious than others. I think we all can agree at that, but it, it visually seems to me that there might be like a tube or a highway that's connecting my physical body to the Akashic records. So I, like, I feel like that connection exists automatically within each of us. 
Now, where your device comes in, would it be that you're almost strengthening that tube or connection between the Akashic, the mind of God, and our human physical form? Yes, I, I think my instrument will accentuate that. So let me make this very clear to the audience. <clears throat> God has given everybody a mind and a heart, emotions. I believe now, speaking in a biological sense, the human mind, the brain, and the heart are two vessels of scalar energy. And how can I prove that? Well, the mind is capable of thought, which is scalar energy. Thinking, creativity is, is really consciousness. And the heart, emotions, feelings, well, that likewise are scalar energy emanations or scalar energy waveforms. So this should not be esoteric anymore. Everybody is a scalar energy being. Everybody has a mind and a heart. Everybody controls scalar energy. And I want the audience really to, to, to dive deep into this. Why do we think? How do we have creativity? How can we perform some type of mathematical computation? How, how do we study language? All of this is information intelligence. It's scalar intelligence. Without a scalar intelligence, we, we could not think. Without scalar intelligence, we would not have a heartbeat. We would not have emotions. We would not be human. We would be robots. So really what, what distinguishes uh, people and animals is that they're sensate. Why are they sensate? How is it that they receive this information? How, how is it possible that we can think? You know, it's, it's much more than a biochemical. The biochemical processes in our brain are the end result. What is the impetus that allows us to think or to create or to compose music? That impetus is consciousness. Because it all starts there. And I mean, that's something I've even learned on my meditative journey and in my practices, whether I'm trying to do something that's really difficult and it sucks in the moment, but then after I do it, it seems like there's this rush of enli almost en enlightenment feels like the wrong word, but this higher energy that is now coming through me and whether it's my physical body kind of training or tuning to this new frequency, I guess is really the question that kind of underlies all of that. And I suppose that's almost where you're this, this almost portal, if you will, into connecting ourselves yes. into this God energy more deeply yes. comes into play. Yes, I have a portal into that other realm. Now, the human mind and our feelings, that is another portal. I have a mechanical portal. I have an instrument that allows us to access this other dimension. You frequently hear of this term, a portal, entryway, stargate, call it what you will. For lack of better terms, we'll use those terms. What is, what's the point? You have two options. You're either working in the electromagnetic dimension or the scalar energy dimension. When I work with my instrument, I leave the electromagnetic dimension and I go into, I have a wormhole or a portal into the other dimension, which is scalar energy. I prefer to work in the scalar energy dimension. I can work with half a million people a day by way of their photograph in the scalar dimension. Today in my laboratory, by way of collages, today I was working with half a million people around the world, sending quantum energy to their aura, non-physical, balancing the chakras of half a million people in the world. Imagine that potential. I, I mean that. Literally. I'm not exaggerating. I I've been doing this quite some time. I have half a million people under my care right now. 
that might make you the most, well, I don't know how you would articulate that. You probably have the most patience. Yeah. I don't think anyone would have that amount of patience on the entire world. <laughs> you might be, have the most patience. You're right. You're right. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not being condescending. You're absolutely right. You, you understand what God has given me. What, what a responsibility this is. Right. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of questions I have based on the idea of responsibility, especially when it comes to something like this. And maybe that's kind of where we pivot at this point. I saw it. And before we go even deeper, I, I do want to kind of play devil's advocate on this because, you know, in doing my research, I was kind of looking up scalar energy and there's not a lot of information out there whatsoever. There is some really good information and then it seems like the other information wants to denounce specifically your work, which I find fascinating as a scam, as a fraud, as, you know, the next thing. And in, you know, taking my unbiased, as unbiased as I possibly could be to look at what their points were, it didn't seem like they had much of a point. It was more of just like labeling you with, you know, and I don't want to, if you've seen these things, I don't want to take you back well, to the, you can tell the audience. Yeah, they, they, they basically just use name calling. They, that was really the only tactic that they were using. And, you know, it, I couldn't really figure out much of the info. Like they, they weren't giving much information. It was more just name calling for lack of a better phrase of it. And so one of their, the only thing that I saw that was like a very valid remark was the idea of no scientific research. And I, I'll let you speak on this because I know you have one case study of, you know, yeah. an entire tribe who was cured of HIV. But yes. I mean, couple that, I'd love to hear that story. But also, have you kind of explored the route of bringing in unbiased testing or scientific researchers as well? You know, I, I welcome any third party. Now, if that third party does materialize, they have to work independent of me to, to conclude independently of my work whether this is, is valid or not. So in order for this really to put this under the microscope, so to speak, a disinterested party must step forward. And this disinterested party must conduct their clinical trial or their studies without any influence from me. Okay. So with that in mind, that's not happening. Number two, if any... Real quick, party, why, why do you think that hasn't happened yet? My research is suppressed. Okay. If what I'm saying is true and accurate, it's, it, this is a threat to the powers that be. I, okay. And this is probably... I ran the calculations on this, right? If everything that we have discussed up to this point is true. Uh, we're talking about the manipulation of gravity, electricity, and electromagnetism. And, and so if you look at all the industries that that touches, right, it's transportation, it's healthcare and beauty, it's a medic, medical, it's, you know, communication, it totals like a whopping 100 to $150 trillion industries that you're, that this would overthrow. Yes, exactly. Thank you. Bravo. That's, and and I, I concur with you. Scalar energy, in many ways, does away with, negates the, the necessity of taking certain types of drugs. Scalar energy will be used for anti-gravity. Scalar energy will replace our cell phone with a much superior system. Scalar energy will be used as a telecommunication system. It will be used to uh, educate ourselves. Well, we'll eventually be able to use this energy to download information into our mind. So it will change education, health, transportation, as you said. 
it is it's in the beginning of this nascent stage. And I concur, this is a multi-trillion dollar industry. Scalar energy someday will su supersede the uh, computer industry. Well, and that's what's interesting too, is you know what's coming to mind, no pun intended, is <laughs> Elon Musk is working on kind of like Neuralink, which is to plug our mind into computers. But if you're able to do that just at a quantum level from yes. the scalar level, that gets all wiped away. That's not important. That's yeah. irrelevant. You're it's obsolete. You're absolutely right. Artificial intelligence still takes human programming. If we can tap the Akashic record, the mind of God, which is infinite intelligence, infinite wisdom, you don't need a supercomputer. I have a supercomputer in my laboratory. It, co it connects me to that Akashic record, to consciousness. And what I can do with a my scalar energy instrument far exceeds the ability of any supercomputer. And speaking of that ability, this was something else I was trying to think of if this would be possible is, do you know if this is something that, because maybe we'll take a step back first, right? I, I think, I think before I get down into this, like, uh, is this possible rabbit hole? Let's, let's stick a little bit more with the concrete of what we actually do have. And I, I would love for you to touch on, I, I believe, I don't think I saw it on the website, but I do believe you have a case study of like a tribe in maybe it was Africa or the Middle East who was completely cleared of HIV. Yes, we have a number of studies. For instance, we've been working with um, uh, groups of people, uh, villages in Tanzania. And uh, uh, these people come forward and, and we're working with non-government organizations and we work with them by way of their photograph, usually a collage from Tanzania, HIV clinics. And after we work with them, the people report, this is very important, the people report that they feel better. The people report that their appetite improves, that they can go about, with, they're no longer sluggish, that they have a sense of vibrancy, if you will. And if they have a follow-up PCR test, the PCR test is not detectable. There's no detectable viral load. Now, this has happened thousands of times with us. We've worked with thousands of people who are HIV positive. After a scalar energy session, people will go and have a subsequent follow-up PCR test. Those tests are not detectable. So I allow your audience to muse and, and you know to cogitate on that and, and to say to themselves, well, is this of merit? Is you know, is this is this true and accurate? Well, and then on top of that, all right, because I, I guess you've been using my photo. I'm not exactly sure what you've been doing with it, but <laughs> hopefully good things. Um <laughs> But I'm curious, <laughs> I'm curious, maybe like the different application that you would use my photo versus someone with HIV, because me not having HIV, is there something else you put in the machine or calibrate it? Or again, is this just God's energy just saying, hey, we know what they need? The instrument has to be instructed. Now, in this case, let, I'm going to hold up a photograph of, say, the herpes virus. I actually take photographs because a photograph is a source of light. And I place inside the instrument thousands of photographs of different microbes. This is one photograph of herpes. And the information from herpes downloads, if you will, into my photograph. So what am I saying? There's a communication between a photograph of herpes and my photograph in the quantum field. And this information enters into my quantum field. 
it'll identify the herpes body, the herpes virus in my quantum field. And within that body of knowledge, it will break it apart or negate it or nullify it. This is scalar energy. It's not an electromagnetic event. This is not a biological process. It's a non-physical informational process. So to answer your question, every day I target over 400,000 species of microbes. And my ability is to target over 400,000 species of microbes, send that information, information only, into my quantum field, look for those signatures of those 400,000 species of pathogens and destroy them in my quantum field or negate them. So that, how that's informational. Well, so then this is really interesting. You you're putting in your photo in with the photo of let's say a deadly path, maybe not deadly in yeah. this case, but a, a harmful pathogen. Yeah. How does the information or the machine know to not give you more of this as opposed to taking it away? Very good. So <laughs> very good. The instrument is calibrated as a reverse phase. The instrument is calibrated to break apart to negate the molecular bonds. So I have instruments that are designed to rid us of contaminants or microbes by negating molecular bonds. And then I have in-phase instruments that will create a molecular bond. I am only sending the intelligence of the molecular bond either to negate a molecular bond or to create to form a molecular bond. If there's any physical process after that, it's almost matter of fact. It's a consequence of my behavior. So I work in the non-physical, and the non-physical, I believe, breaks apart pathogen or a microbe, if you will, or a toxin, or creates an antioxidant or a vitamin. Right, because that was something I might have heard it on another podcast, but you were saying that you could, if someone's like vitamin C deficient or vitamin D deficient, you can then put that into the machine with a picture of themselves, and then I guess you would just let's say, for lack of a better term, flip a switch, and now it knows, oh, put these things together. Yes. Yes. By consciousness, by intelligence. So this is far beyond me. Let, let, let's be quite blunt. Any virus has a million, two million base pairs, that hydrogen bonds that hold together the genome. And I'm saying that a scalar energy instrument will negate the hydrogen bonds, causing what? Causing the genomic material the DNA or RNA of a virus to fragment. Well, I, I can't dictate the activity of a million base pairs, but consciousness can. And consciousness can negate a million, two million, a, a billion base pairs. And when you do that, that genomic form breaks down. And this mm. is what I think, this is in theory what I believe happens. Because this, this right here is where it gets super fascinating for me. So have you, and for like a part of me, this kind of probably also comes back to the responsibility aspect of what we were discussing. Have you ever tried or experimented with bringing physical things into somebody's current reality? For example, you know, putting my photo in there with a bunch of money or my photo in there with a certain car or my photo in there even with another specific person, you know, let's say something that would be so improbable. Oh, I don't want to say it like that, I guess, but just let's say, you know, a fa like a certain person coming into my life, right. Whether it's 
and and this might be where it definitely touches on morality issues would be another person. So maybe we can get to that point. But but what about just something material like money or a car or a house? Have you experimented with something like that? I don't, and I won't. I I, I consider this God's gift, and I really don't want to over commercialize this. So I don't treat for money or material possessions. Now, I will say the chakra balancing, which is God's handiwork, it's not mine, should put us in the frame of mind to, to be successful, to, to be productive. Do I treat for money? No. I just, and I don't, I, I would almost call it, that would almost besmirch this, this, this uh, technology. I, I would not want to do that. This is God's intelligence, and I want God to provide for our needs. I'm just, I'm not, I don't want to go that route. Gotcha. No, I mean, and it makes total sense because I think that that like even as I was kind of going down that line of thinking, it's like, okay, money, maybe it's not quote unquote that bad, but you go far enough and it's like, hey, you know, this specific ellipse celebrity, I want to be in a relationship with them. It seems to me like you could very well override what is called in the spiritual world soul contracts of you know actually forcing not for i guess it's forcing right forcing two people to be in a relationship together even right right and i i would concur once we understand just how vast this this power is then we're going to realize that this really is controlled dominion over nature i i come from a christian background and if you read in the book of genesis when god gave adam and eve dominion over nature that was a scalar energy gift. Adam and Eve possessed scalar light, scalar energy. They lost it, but they initially had dominion over nature. So what are we doing? We're going back to the Garden of Eden, in which we will have dominion over nature. I always, I always, I always find it interesting. Yeah, I always find biblical references interesting to certain topics whenever they arise. So then... With the, let me think of where I was trying to go with this. I don't know where I was trying to go with this. We talked about that. Um, well, something that comes up then, right, is if it, it like in the way that you're even kind of like putting this out there, right? God's gift to Earth. It's it's your calling to help illuminate and align and get people in their alignment and and healed. Then I'm curious on top of that, then where. You know, this kind of comes back to that morality and balance question. Uh, you know, I saw on your website that you do have programs and you sell certain programs and, you know, three month and 12 month, you know, treatments. How does that balance out? Like, why not just give this treatment away for free to anybody who wants to send you a picture? That, excellent point. So in order to pay my bills, I have to have a retail site. I have to pay, pay as I go. The greater majority of the people that we work with it's pro bono. It's for free because they can't afford it. This episode of Traveling to Consciousness is brought to you by Aquarius Mushrooms. And Aquarius Mushrooms creates what I can only describe as these fine art sculptures that are all one of a kind and these plush mushroom fabric sculptures. They're what I would describe as being like little trip buddies. They're perfect for anyone who has a room that is dedicated to spiritual adventures or anyone who is looking for a fine piece of art that is one of a kind. I think I said that, but one of a kind to enhance their psychedelic experience. I'm sober and I look at mine all the time and it just oozes out this creative and spiritual energy that I 
it's hard for me to stop looking at sometimes. And so if you are on even maybe just smoking some weed, like I can only see how this thing would open up a portal to a new world. So I highly recommend that you click the sponsors link below, scroll down where you see Aquarius mushrooms, click their website and see if any of them speak to you. Because if it does, I can only imagine how it's going to speak to you in the real world. Aquarius mushrooms, mushrooms for the new age of enlightenment. This episode of Traveling to Consciousness is brought to you by Superpass. Now, what the hell is Superpass, you might be asking? Well, I use Superpass to host my website, host all of my amazing content. I use them for my app, the app, the amazing app that I know you're listening to this on that I don't even need to tell you about that's available on the Amazon and oh, it's not available on Amazon. It's available on the iOS and Google Play Store. That app, the one that you're listening to this podcast on, the Traveling to Consciousness app, they're absolutely amazing. So honestly, if you're a content creator and need to organize and put things in one place, I highly recommend Superpass. They have an amazing community. They have an amazing support team who I've always been in contact with, reaching out with and they're always increasing that product. So I highly recommend it. At checkout, I highly also recommend that you use promo code Clayton2022 because you'll receive 10% off your first 12 months of a yearly or monthly package, which is up to like a $300 value, which is crazy. So please go do that. Check that out. Click the link below. Go down to sponsors. Click on the Superpass affiliate link and sign up today. Superpass, everything you need to build a content business. Mm. What I envision, once I introduce this to the world and the world gets it, I just want to work on donations. My goal, one of my goals is bluntly to treat a billion people a year. Okay. Now, I realize a lot of people don't have money. You know, we're, we're still very fortunate in North America. We, we, we have jobs. We have money. We have careers. So many people around the world cannot afford sessions. So, for instance, the people in Tanzania, I've, I've worked with millions of people in Africa. It's all pro bono. I love that. I love that. And then, I mean, here's the interesting thing that I'm actually even kind of putting together as we were even just talking about like the A-list celebrities and, you know, this uh, <laughs> interesting dynamic of aligning people. There's... Does this kind of play into the shadow aspect of what seems to be, and I, I don't want to get into like a conspiracy rabbit hole here because I, but I do believe that there are some elements to it. You know, whenever Tesla passed away, all of his documents were kind of taken. You know, this is, this is something that entered the human consciousness almost 150 years ago in the late 1800s, early 1900s. So do you believe that there are elements or people who have been, who have this technology hidden away somewhere and they're using it, you know, like a, I don't want to call it like a shadow, you know, some sort of, let's say shadow energetic, because I want to stay away from the buzzwords, you know, because I don't want to pin this on a specific group, but let's just say people in the dark that are using this to manipulate the masses to become or stay in control or power. Yes. Yes, to answer your question, yes. Let's let's re revisit Tesla's work. Back in 1899, Tesla developed a tower in Colorado Springs, which was a free energy tower. He demonstrated free energy in 1899. Whatever happened to his research? He was extracting free energy from the stars. Whatever happened to that free energy device? It's too intimidating. Like you and I have agreed, this is a multi-trillion dollar industry about to be born. 
And the, the, the status quo does not like competition. Tesla would have made obsolete so many industries. Well, yeah. And in my research, that was a huge reason people pulled out of funding is there's no way to actually monetize. If you would have created the Tesla tower, there would have been no way to physically monetize it. And they said, you know, what was the famous quote by Westinghouse? It was, if I can't put a meter on it, then I don't want it. And I, I mean, I get that from a scarcity and a money perspective. So from that perspective, you know, and I think this would even help us out scientifically speaking. Have you thought about given any energy towards or had any inkling of a way to actually measure the amount of scalar energy that someone's body is taking in? And then, you know, because then you'd be able to compare that, you know, side by side of when it's turned on versus off. Now, great question. And, and my terse answer is no, it's impossible to measure this. Now, why? Scalar energy is infinite. Consciousness is infinite. Is there a basic unit for consciousness? No. Is there a basic unit for the Akashic record? No. Everything in this world, whether it's a mile, a kilometer, etc., is a basic unit. It's a finite measurement. So with scalar, everything's infinite. There's no basic unit. So you will you will not be able to ever to measure this energy. You, you'll be able to um, feel it. You'll be able to to see the before and after results. But is there ever going to be a way to measure infinite energy? Not that I know. Well, but and then to to maybe just kind of flush this out there as I'm thinking of it. If it is this baseline scalar energy, is this baseline energy that inhabits? electromagnetism well electricity magnetism and gravity would there would those frequencies not be manipulated or changed around a certain person once it's on or off so would it be possible to measure the difference in you know the i i guess the electromagnetic wave surrounding a person when this is on versus off yes yes it would for instance, anytime I have a, my cell phone close to my instrument in my laboratory, my cell phone cannot function because my cell phone only recognizes an electromagnetic signal. If I place my cell phone close to the instrument, it, it, it simply will stop functioning. Meaning what? Scale energy overrides that. There's a man by the name of Grubenikov who created an anti-gravity platform. And he wanted to photograph himself while he was on this anti-gravity platform. His camera wouldn't work because his camera did not recognize scalar energy instructions. So we've seen that in the vicinity of a strong scalar energy force field, it negates electricity and magnetism. My cell phone is negated close to my scalar energy instrument, meaning what? Gone are the deleterious effects of electromagnetic pollution, and instead you have the pure energy the life force energy that, if you will, will will replace that harmful effect. Meaning, translating that, if if we everybody had a scalar energy session, in some way, this would serve to demagnetize them, would serve to correct their conscious, would serve to correct their biofield, probably their biofield. Which is wild, right? And. I mean, even more so, could you expand this out and actually use it on a certain area? Like, like if you were to just put in a picture of your house into the, one of these machines, would it be able to harmonize the entire, 
you know, your property, let's say all of your property that is in that picture. I've seen that my predecessor, Hieronymus, saw that, in which Hieronymus would take an aerial photograph of, say, a farm field, and he would provide nutrients for the crops and the soil. And that entire area would be under some type of uh, influence, a scale energy influence, to the point that that particular area no longer experienced violent thunderstorms. The weather was much more clement within that area. Jeez. Is that well documented? It, it was documented as far as his research, but it, see, it's never been peer-reviewed because nobody has a scalar energy instrument. The only way you can prove or disprove my work or the work of Hieronymus is if you have the same ability. Well, who has our instruments? Nobody. I inherit my instruments from Hieronymus in many ways. And really quickly, this is why some people who question my results, well, you can question all you want, but until you have a scalar energy instrument, you do, you're not first, you're ignorant how this energy is working, so you really cannot comment. And I and I feel like that's probably going to be probably the bedrock, right? Like like I like I mean, you know, and I feel like the majority and I'm kind of tapping into my, you know, my ex-scientist self, which is, you know, the burden, what I would say would be like the burden of proof is on you to prove that it's working. Correct. But then we kind of hit a stalemate here where it seems in your mind, it's like, you don't really care to prove to anyone, you know, that it works. So, you know, I, you don't have this like drive to prove anything about exactly. it. Precisely. Thank you. I've seen this. I, Hieronymus saw this, my predecessor. I've, I've witnessed this energy for 30 years after receiving thousands of testimonies on our website from people around the world. I know what this instrument is capable of. Do I want to go the do I want to go the, the regular route of approval through government oversight and, and the legal oversight? No. Well, I think you got to be careful there. I think you got to be well, real I, careful. Even big business can't even define scalar energy. It, it, it really it misses the point. It's like, okay, if, if you want to define what I'm doing, define the term. Have you do you have any experience with this? <laughs> no, they don't. Well, my, so where my mind goes, and this was something I actually had written down is speaking of suppressed technology, we've seen time and time again, when people who create engines that can run on water for some reason end up dying, whether it's in a freak accident or suicide or any of these things. So this brings up two questions for you. Number one, have you ever gone the patent pending route? And or I guess the patent route or thought about it, or have you got any mystical downloads, I guess, in those regards? And number two, to get on record, you're not a depressed individual, right? And have no means of suicide. <laughs> no, um, I don't seek a patent. It's not necessary. Dr. Hieronymus had a patent. The patent has expired. Um, it, the instrument works. Um, would, I, would I trust this with the government office? No. Many governments are corrupt. Um, am I happy? Yes. You know, God protects me. The precious blood of Jesus protects me. Nobody can harm me. I just move forward. <laughs> Nobody intimidates me. That's beautiful. And I mean, on top of that, then, right, where, like, I don't want you to disclose where the <laughs> the machines are, but are they at least in some way protected that if, you know, three laboratories. You have three. So they're scattered. It's not in like one central location. Yeah. And, and God has promised me his 
protection, not only for my person, but but for these instruments. These, this healing ministry, it's, it's God's doing. It's not my doing. And as long as I keep this on that level, that spiritual level, and I do not chase money and I do not chase fame, then God will always honor me because I'm, I'm honoring him. That's the key. You, you, cannot, you cannot use God's energy and draw reference to yourself. You always have to draw reference to God who gave us the energy. And when, you're, when you do that, you're in alignment and you're under God's grace. When you, when you start to usurp God's, his, his rightful position, then you're no longer going to enjoy God's wisdom or his protection. I'm really interested now in the answer to this next question, because this is a question I've pondered a lot and I'd love to see if how your answer, if it aligns with my question or answer that I've arrived at, which is, you know, if this information has been downloaded to you to, uh, you know, get this higher level energy that, we both, I think, believe has been and know from Tesla that it's been around for over 150 years. There's likely other people that have been using this technology on Earth. Why is it then, right? And I'm, I'm drawing this parallel between you and maybe some people who have created water power engines or people who have created water from air. You know, these engines, which once they kind of go the patent route or whatever they do, they do end up unfortunately dying. Why is it that God would, let's say, give people that information of, you know, here's scalar energy or here's how you turn water into a fuel efficient motor? Why is it that they would end up being, let's say, offed and you don't believe that that would happen to you? Does mm-hmm. that kind of make sense? Yeah, it, it does. And I, I, I don't think I'm besides the laws of nature. I simply think think I'm in God's good grace. Why is it that so many people have perished when they're trying to bring forth this new and a promising technology? Well, it's obvious. The powers that be do not do not want mankind to be liberated. They want to control us. Do I foresee a friction in the future? Is this going to be political dynamite? I'm sure it is. And we're, I think we're really just at the tipping point now because you, you can't keep this under wraps any longer. Will God continue to protect me? Yes. Do I see the, the uh, problems that Tesla had? Yeah, to be quite frank, I believe demonic forces stood in the way of Tesla. But God is continually trying to give us his light, his divine essence, scalar energy. And sooner or later, somebody somehow is going to introduce this to mankind. And if it's me, so be it. So I, I, I am undeterred. I see the mistakes of, of the past and the pitfalls of the past. And with that in mind, this is one of the reasons I don't want to align myself with government or big business, because Tesla tried to do that, and he was undermined. You know, the long story short, Tesla should never touch trusted government, big business, the media, because they they under they undermined his work. Well, and it seems like the issue for him was though that he ran into the problem of not having money. He was unable to commercialize it to make money off of it, which, you know, I heard some people in high regards, you know, they regard Edison as like, okay, well, he at least was able to monetize his inventions. Meanwhile, Tesla, which I always find super fascinating, never really was able to turn that pivot of monetizing the things that he created. You're absolutely right. And I think Tesla was more of the 
humanitarian. He really wasn't interested in money. What Tesla lacked was really a good business manager and a promotion team. But um, people didn't understand what he was doing. They still don't. Yeah. So, you know, that put him at a disadvantage. Whereas Edison had had more of a business structure, I believe. Tesla wasn't interested in that. This episode of Traveling to Consciousness is brought to you by Revive CBD. Now I know what you're thinking. Another CBD product? And typically, I would completely agree with you. I've gone through all my trials and tribulations with CBD products, but this CBD cream is unlike anything else. Honestly, I don't know what it is, but there's something in the technology of it that it helps absorb into your skin and actually get to the place that aches and soothes your muscles almost instantaneously. It, it's close to instant. It's probably about a five to 10 minute activation that I've noticed, but sometimes it goes a little bit quicker. And so I know it can be difficult for the find the right one. And this was my personal favorite that I had found after long enough. <laughs> I don't want to go back to that dark time, but I found it. It works amazing. And the creator of it is an incredible guy. So I highly recommend you click the sponsors link below, click on the revive CBD tab and get yours today. Revive CBD, feel better, live better, all premium, all natural CBD products. It's interesting because now it's making me think about, let's say, the way that I have viewed money in my upbringing, right? Like, like in my mind, my podcast, like the, the core of me, the absolute core of me just wants to show people a new way of thinking, bring new ideas to the forefront to help them see the world in a new way. And I think it's very similar to what you're bringing that you bring to this podcast and where it gets interesting, though, is then the element of, well, you still need money to support yourself. You still need money to operate in this three-dimensional world. And it feels as though there is some sort of friction between you know, my old self, because I think I've gotten to a much he more healed place, but my old self and I think people who tend to have more of this humanitarian mindset. So this leads me to a couple questions. I mean, the first one being, you know, do you have any inner, do you have any foresight into why that might be, but even more so, and maybe this is actually a better question for my line of thinking, could you put in your machine money, but with a way that it heals the collective consciousness or view of the energy of money? I would say that the chakra balancing is doing that automatically. In other words, you don't need to, to actually insert a $20 bill in the instrument because the, the $20 bill is just the extension of greed. Why not just work on the, the mindset, the consciousness, the seven chakras, the brainwaves, and balance that and put things into proper perspective? You know? Money is simply a tool. And if we, if we can instill that in people, including government that prints our money, then we have a much better economy. By the way, one of the reasons why we have so many difficulties, economic difficulties, is because we don't control our money supply. That's another conversation. I was going to say, I wanted to make a quick correction. You said the government prints our money, which the Federal Reserve, yeah. not a part of the government. But yeah, I think you, I think you noticed that. Yeah. Very good. Yeah, that's a whole, that's a whole nother conversation all in its own, its own regards. Let me see here. I, I wrote down like some key words I wanted to bring up. But honestly, this is weird. I feel like we got through pretty much all of them. Is there any like, 
This is wow. <laughs> I'm actually kind of surprised how quick we kind of got through a majority of the questions that I had. I'll I'll, I'll titillate the audience with with some uh, some work of mine and Hieronymus. My predecessor, Galen Hieronymus, achieved a U.S., Canadian, and a uh, British patent for this instrument. At one time, he was well received by the U.S. government. Hieronymus was working with NASA. Hieronymus secured three photographs of the Apollo 11 astronauts. While the astronauts were orbiting the moon, Hieronymus was working on their photographs, and he was able to detect their biorhythms on the photograph. And he wrote up a report, and he presented it to NASA. Well, at that time, he was working hand-in-hand with NASA, and they they were enthralled. They really were interested in his work. And they saw the merit of this. They saw that this was non-local communication. The FDA was working with Hieronymus, my predecessor at time. Hieronymus was also working with the United States Army. And the Army uh, had an experiment. They wanted Galen Hieronymus to take an aerial photograph and find on that aerial photograph through a scalar energy instrument where uh, soldiers were uh, hiding or where... uh, uh, tanks and equipment were hiding. And Hieronymus was able to take a stylus, if you will, and pinpoint that stylus on the aerial map. And everywhere he touched the stylus, he could tell you where soldiers were or where a tank was or where a jeep was located. Through a map, an aerial map of a mock battlefield with a scalar energy instrument, he was able to use this to identify, to locate people and equipment. Now, imagine, imagine what that would have meant to to the army today had had they followed up on this. But they, I don't think they had the the, the foresight, frankly. I I don't know why it was. Maybe this is back in the forties, fifties, and sixties, and uh, many people have never heard that name, Galen Hieronymus. He's perhaps is just a footnote in scientific history. He he could someday win the Nobel Prize for his discoveries because of the, there's just earth shattering what what he discovered. I followed up on his on his work. I, every every time I read about what he accomplished, it's 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 just it, it offers mankind just a sea change in the way we're living. Scale energy will change, will improve our way of life. Sadly. Uh, He's just a footnote in history. Yeah, I don't think I've heard of him before until you brought him up. How do you spell his name? Hieronymus, H-I-E-R-O-N-Y-M-U-S. Galen Hieronymus was one of the uh, country's first radio engineers, a brilliant electrical engineer, and then he discovered during his uh, career that there was another energy, scalar energy. He called it aloptic energy. And uh, all, all of that proves that, you know, if you have this understanding of electricity, that you can eventually apply what you learn with electrical engineering to the scalar energy sciences. So what is, then what is your background? Did you go to school for electrical engineering or was this something you just kind of came across? I studied physics and I, and I always wanted to study physics with the intent of following up with Tesla's work. So I, I have a basic background in physics, but I, there had to come. There was a time in my life, in, in my thirties, that I said I'm not going to study conventional science anymore, and I began my understudy with 
scalar energy sciences. Scalar energy is, is my main focus. And it's, it's all been groundbreaking, groundbreaking research for the past 30 years. And that's what it takes. Why do I say that? When you discover something, it, nature gives up her secrets begrudgingly. What I've discovered has taken me years because I had to rewrite a textbook. I'm, I'm writing the scalar energy physics textbook, and it takes time. Discovery takes time. Now, I'm elated when I make these discoveries, but nature gives up its secrets very, very cautiously. Yeah, we can. Let's jump into the actual maybe physics of it. I, you know, I've gone through computer engineers, so I've done electrical engineering, have probably basics in a physics understanding. And I remember seeing a video that I was watching and they were talking about, I believe, gauge transformation, where there's actually a piece of the equation. And I think it was like Lorenzo theorem. And then there was another theorem associated with it, where they essentially took a piece of it and just kind of threw it out. They were like, all right, we're just going to take this math and just equate it to zero or equate it back to itself so that we can get it to cancel out so that we get the information that we want. Is that something that you've experienced in your research here? No, and I'll tell you why. Um, any, any theory in electromagnetic theory uh, or, or science does not apply to scalar. You're dealing with two, uh, two energies that really don't have that much in common. Um, scalar energy, for instance, it, I always say this, it's a phi spiral, it's a double helix. Now, I've never seen an electrical current that that twists, that looks like a corkscrew. That's what scalar energy is. Even my predecessor, Galen Hieronymus, said that scalar energy moves like a corkscrew. His, his wife told me that. And, you know, what a profound thought. Because if you, if you put ele an electrical current on an oscilloscope, there's no corkscrew. There's no third dimension. You just see, a, you know, a, a, the rise and fall. You see an oscillation. Right. This is a pulsation. So scalar energy is a pulsation of this double helix, this rotating double helix. So is it's it? A, so is the the two images that I'm kind of getting in my mind, and this might help with imagery, is number one the double helix of like a DNA strand, and yes. The, other one would be of like the classical health symbol where you have kind of the staff and then two snakes yes. kind of curling up it. Yes. So if, if you look at um, a scalar wave, there's a major and a minor groove. The major groove, and this is where the five principle comes in. The major groove is 1.618 times the length of the minor groove. So if the minor groove is one, the major groove is 1.618, which is phi. That's the ratio of phi. And then you compare a scalar wave to DNA. DNA has the phi incorporated into it. There's a minor groove in our human DNA, which is, could be represented as one, the value of one. And if you look at the length of the major groove of our DNA, it's 1.618, mm. which is phi. So it's always been my belief that a scalar wave creates DNA, which is... A, a miniature, if you will, scalar wave. That's wild. Because I also know that if you die of old age, they basically say that your DNA is no longer able to like replicate itself anymore. It like it made an error in the replication, and this is probably just one way of passing away, of course. 
But that's like the idea of dying of old age is that your DNA can no longer replicate itself. So then through these scalar functions, it's, I mean, it would be having an effect on the DNA itself that's going through your body. And I, I believe I've been working with scalar energy now for 30 years in practice. I believe it, it, it has extended my life. I believe that this is the pathway, if you will, to longevity. Well, this and is so this is interesting because I actually heard you talking on uh, shout out to Christina Rice onto her channel. And she even asked you about, I think, this, this concept of living forever in which you kind of pointed out, right? And if if anyone's listening, look at this in like terms of energy, right? You have put your photo into this machine and it's working at scalar energy only on you. However, you're operating in a three-dimensional plane of existence where there are all these different energies coming in and, and the scalar can only do so much to negate it. And I believe you said that if you were, if you were in a perfectly scalar environment, you would never age which is a fascinating concept because it also kind of ties into the power of now. So what prevents you then in this situation from being in a completely harmonious scalar wave? Like in my mind, if you just put in a picture of your house, of your laboratories, of you, your family, your pets, anything that you come into contact with, would this not create that perfect unified scalar environment? It, it would, but it, it's attenuated. That's the problem. My instruments are not strong enough. I'll, I'll give the audience a corollary to that. Grabenikov, who I admire, he did develop a scalar energy anti-gravity platform. When Grabenikov would fly on this platform, he was in a, a really strong scalar energy force field. And he noticed that while he was aloft, on the flying about on this anti-gravity platform, he had a wristwatch. His wristwatch never advanced. Mm. But when he came back and, and he set the platform down, and he would realize that time had advanced two hours, but his wristwatch was always behind two hours. So apparently when he was in this very strong scatter energy force field, time did not advance. He was either immortal or close to being immortal. Because he was not subject to the passage of time. And this is where it starts to get weird. Because what we're talking about here is his manipulation of gravity. And Einstein even proved, I believe it was Einstein, correct me if I'm wrong, who proved that there is a correlation between time and gravity. And he did this by flying a clock around on a space or on a some sort of plane or spaceship that was outside of like the gravity of earth in a sense, maybe it wasn't outside. I'm probably muddying this up, but then when he compared that clock to the one he had on the ground, the times were completely different. Yes. Yes. So we see that scalar energy is the cause of gravity. Scalar energy is the cause of time. So the gravity and, and, and time are the effect are the consequence. And how do we control gravity and time with scalar energy? So have you been able to affect gravity and time through your research at this point? Not yet, but I, I'm, I think I, God will give me the wisdom for an anti-gravity instrument. It should be rather straightforward. <clears throat> what I'm working on in the immediate five years is to learn how to illuminate a building. 
I want to be able to illuminate a building at a distance with scalar energy. And if I can do that, if I can transfer this energy, so to speak, and light up objects within the next five or six years, that should be a great benefit to mankind. And if so, then I can move on to anti-gravity. And now whenever you say light up, are you saying like the walls of it would just light up or are you actually tapping into the electrical components that are illuminating the lights in that building? Just without any electricity, without calling upon the electromagnetic spectrum to illuminate something with scalar energy. I want to be able to illuminate objects with scalar energy, not electricity. And if I can show that free energy from the sun and the stars can be used at a distance, non-local, and illuminate objects, well, that's part of the equation to solving our energy crisis. If you can illuminate a house with scalar energy, you don't need the power company. Well, don't tell them that. (laughs) But So this is actually a really fascinating concept, right? there's a lot to unpack here. The first one being, I know biologically speaking, how great the sun is for our bodies, right? We're talking about UV, UVA, UVB, all those UV raises. And I'm sure there's a whole bunch of different things and energies that kind of go into that, that we're, you know, adapted to. So whenever you're saying illuminate, you're, you're, you is like, is there a way that you're kind of pulling the sun into the, let's say walls of the room around you that is creating this essence of vibrance. Exactly. My instruments are miniature stars. My instruments are miniature suns. Now, what do I mean by that? It's free energy. It's clean. It's wireless. We don't depend upon electricity. It's this other dimension and it's, it's all, it's, it's life enhancing. So this is the key. I want to develop a very powerful scalar energy instrument that will be a miniature star that could send energy anywhere in the world and illuminate buildings, objects. If I can do that, then I can prove to the world that scalar energy should be used in power generation for illumination, for illumination. And then after that, then we have to do away with the motor. I'm not happy with motors because it's still a mechanical device. I want to use scalar energy as an anti-gravity device. Rabinikov had no moving parts on his anti-gravity instrument. He simply was able to negate gravity. So what am I getting at? The animating force, the kinetic energy of the sun and the stars, you don't need a motor to to once again create kinetic energy or an armature or or a turbine. You, You get away from the piston. You get away from turbines. The, the action is always the sun and the stars, scalar energy. Now you just have to download or apply that energy to the function that you want to achieve. Really, scalar energy will obviate the need for a motor or a turbine. You don't need motors. So this is kind of calling up a question that I've been thinking about a lot. And, you know, it, like in the in this motorized world that we're speaking of so many, if not everything runs on motors from electricity to, you know, your car, all this stuff. And in my mind, right, the motor is almost something that we've just taken for granted. We, we need a motor to capture electricity, to transform, to move it. And the parallel that I'm seeing here, this is going to be a little bit of a flashback uh, during Christmas, I was on vacation with my family and my brother, he's a, uh, he's a rocket engineer. So he's working at one of the top, 
he, I don't want to drop a, the company name at this point, hopefully to get him on the future, but one of the top, you know, rocket companies in existence and something that he had said is with regards to quantum physics, which is, you know, as we kind of look deeper into quantum physics, everything starts getting more confusing. But the world that we've been living in, everything should make more sense the deeper we look into quantum physics. And the thing that he's always pointed out is that there's something wrong. There's there's something wrong about our perception with when we look at quantum physics that we're not understanding. And so he said, he says, and his words were, we're either not supposed to understand or there's something fundamentally wrong with the way we look at quantum physics. How does this relate then? It feels like there's a bridge here with scalar energy. Where do you see that bridge between the way we're viewing quantum physics and scalar energy today? Your brother is prudent. Whatever we learned about electricity and magnetism, is much of that is true and valid for the electromagnetic spectrum. This is a different energy. You cannot look at scalar energy and, and think that it has voltage or, or amperage. It does not. So you have to relearn. This is why I spent 30 years in private study. I had to relearn what I learned in college and apply it in a different sense. So quantum energy, scalar energy is a new textbook. And this is what is so intimidating to some people, including physicists. When I tell them that you, you're going to start at ground zero because this, this is not electromagnetic, and this is a new science, some are okay with that. And some... Some some physicists don't want to hear that. They don't want to have to study anew. Well, this is a new science, and you're, there's no way around it. You you have to start in first grade. Sorry, that's the way it is. You just kind of just ripped me apart there because I've been thinking about this a lot. There was a, a an Instagram reel or something that I saw where it was talking about how you know people climb to the top of a mountain and yet they then see that there's another mountain that's taller and another higher peak that they want to get to. However, to get to that higher peak, it means that they might have to climb back down the mountain to climb up this other one. And I've seen it in my life with, you know, being a software engineer and getting to the top of the software engineer pinnacle and then seeing, you know, maybe not the top top per se, but getting high enough where I can see the top. And I'm like, wait, I see there's another higher top over there, which required me to quit my job, start this podcast, and now start at the bottom of this new mountain as a podcast, at, you know, a podcast host, content creator, all that stuff. And so that, that fear, mm-hmm. I, can, I feel like that is the exact same fear that I came face to face with of, well, yeah, you had this great run, of, this old physics had a great run, but if you want to transcend and get to this higher place of, of being, of enlightenment for mankind, of new source of energy and ma- you know material, we got to start at the bottom of this new mountain to get to a higher top. You're, you're absolutely right. And this is what Tess understood. And this is the one glaring drawback that Einstein, he never could surmount. Einstein never considered another energy. He I, Apparently he called scalar energy spooky action. <laughs> well, there's nothing spooky about it if you understand it. You see, you, you can't fit, if, if scalar energy is an apple and electricity is an orange, they're two distinct, there's two distinct species. And this is what we have to do with scalar energy. You cannot compare it to electricity. You cannot use your understanding of electromagnetic theory and apply it to scalar. It doesn't apply. 
so then to kind of weave this back in into the question that I had regarding that, you know, that dialogue I had with my brother, where, like, where did we kind of, I hate to say go the wrong way, but we, we went down the path. What is like the, the kernel of the path we went down that led us to quantum physics as being our deepest fundamental of truth, as opposed to have like, where did we go left when we should have gone right to get down to scalar physics being this like higher peak or this higher mountain? We should have listened to Tesla. He, he's the most advanced scalar energy quantum researcher that I know. Why? He had scalar energy instruments. So at the end of the day, you have to back up your theories in practice. I have theories. Can I back them up? Yes. I have practical instruments that control this energy and I can show it a repeated outcome. I can repeat the process. So I'm working under the laws of science. Tesla had scalar energy instruments. And this is the key now. Very few researchers have ever perfected a scalar energy instrument. I could rattle off Tesla, Krebenikov, Kazarev, Hieronymus, a few others, Moray. There, there's less than 10 researchers that ever developed instruments. So if you want to become an expert in scalar energy, sooner or later you need a scalar energy instrument and you need to learn from that instrument. So then what, and I'm trying to think of this from like a mechanical perspective, because I understand like electrical, you know, for electrical energy, right? You need a battery, you need a wire, you need a resistor, you know, there's voltage, there's a current, there's an inductor, there's resistance. But what are like the fundamental mechanical items that you would use in order to tap into a, to, to the power of God, for instance? What Hieronymus developed, and remember, he was an electrical engineer, the ability to take AC current and convert it into scalar or like vice versa, take scalar and degrade it to AC current. And this is the pro forma that I find very valuable. I take an uh, ordinary household AC electricity, convert it into scalar. And then after I broadcast it, I, um, invariably that scalar energy will degrade in this world back to AC, uh, back to what I would call electromagnetic energy. So what's popping into my mind, and I have no idea if this is related at all, but would this be related to the Tesla coil then? Yeah, yes. I use Tesla coils. Yeah. Okay. And one of the things that's so advantageous when you're working with scalar energy in a coil is what? It will beget the double helix. It allows for the formation of the double helix. So when you think about scalar, I also use a vacuum tube because the vacuum tube incorporates a third dimension. So the vacuum tube, this is a vacuum tube. It has a third dimension, you know, height, width, and length. And if I'm using a coil, it has height, width, and length. So when you're working with Tesla instrumentation or scalar instrumentation, you have to recreate a sun. You have to, you have to incorporate the, the principles that govern us, the sun or a star. And that's what I'm doing. I have a miniature star. As opposed to solid-state electronics, microprocessors do not recreate a universe. A vacuum tube and a Tesla coil recreate a universe. Can you, can you say that last sentence again to just make sure I heard yeah. you correctly? A vacuum tube has three dimensions. A Tesla coil has three dimensions. And, and if you will, they're like a miniature universe 
confined within that dimension, within that structure. As opposed to solid-state electronics, a microprocessor that's that's man-made that cannot necessarily incorporate the third dimension or the fifth dimension, if you will. Meaning what? When you have a scalar energy instrument, you have to find your way into the geometry of the universe. That geometry is automatically affords itself if you have a vacuum tube because there's no human interpretation. A vacuum tube collects nature. A Tesla coil collects nature. Whereas a microprocessor is man's interpretation of nature. So you have to go back to instrumentation that works hand in hand with nature. You're, you're only amplifying nature. You're not creating a new nature. You're not trying to override nature. Whereas many microprocessors, many CPU, CPU units, etc., are not cop. You're not copying nature. You're, you're cr- trying to create your own paradigm. It, it doesn't work that way. There's limits. Right. Where this is an interesting pop culture reference. I'm not sure. Are you familiar with Rick and Morty at all? The cartoon? No. It's uh, basically this, it's a grandpa and his grandson and he's like a mad scientist and his grandson isn't the most intelligent kid in the world. So they kind of like balance each other out and he has a flying car. And at one episode, he has a, the battery you go into, you see that he has a battery that powers this flying car. And this battery calls it the microverse battery. And it's literally a universe inside of a battery. And all the people of this universe, he like just waited until they like had life form. And then he decided to introduce them to this, what did he call it? Like some sort of step stool. So they were like just stepping kind of like a, you know, one of those, uh, like, uh, exercise devices where you're kind of just stepping up and down. And he would extract that energy out in order to use it for his car. <laughs> and yeah. so like it had this whole hilarious dynamic involved with it. But is that like, I'm, I'm not sure really even where I'm trying to go with this. Like it's, it's kind of also bringing in this dynamic of quote unquote playing God. Right. And, and, and I guess that's where you're, this is that fine line that you're trying to dance with of, you know, how much of this do I actually, you know, use, where's the morality in it? So like, and then what really sparked me about this was you talking about, you're actually creating a universe inside this vacuum with this Tesla coil. Is it down to that level? Is it down to that level that you're creating stars in this tube that could have inhabitable planets that have people running around in it? Or am I getting a little out there? I'm, I'm trying to copy nature. And when you can copy uh, a star, that's what I have, a miniature star, then you have star-like capabilities. So I don't want, there's there's no way I can ever outdo God by the creation of a star. So I'm trying to copy a star. That's what a scalar energy instrument is. This is what Tesla devised in Colorado Springs. He was able to, to illuminate light bulbs at a significant distance with scalar energy, without wires. So this copper dome that he had in Colorado Springs, that copper dome captured radiant energy, scalar energy, and he was able then to use this in a non-local capacity and broadcast that energy and illuminate objects. So Tesla had a miniature star. I have a miniature star. The key is to mimic, to copy nature. Don't Mm -hmm. go against nature. You're not going to win. Copy nature. 
So then on top of that, and I think there's probably an interesting conversation here in terms of abundance and scarcity, the way that I've always kind of viewed, and this kind of goes back to our rudimentary view of physics as it is right now, which is in order to power something, you need to take energy from somewhere else. So like you take energy, you got to input it somewhere else. You want to create electricity, you need to burn coal or, you know, do a certain thing depending on what you're doing. Nuclear fusion, same way. So whenever you're quote unquote, what it sounds like to me is taking energy from the divine field that is God, it, it it makes me think that you're, you got to be pulling it from somewhere into this dimension, but is it more that it's just that's infinite energy that we're acting upon? It, it is infinite energy. I'll, I'll give the audience an indication. Apparently in Buffalo, New York, Tessa took out a, a combustion engine out of a car and he retrofitted it with a scalar energy motor. And all that Tessa needed to do was to extract radiant energy, scalar energy that would power the motor of this car. And the car would operate on sun power, on star power. So he had a car, was not a combustion engine. The engine was replaced by scalar energy. And the the motive force was not combustion of of fuel, but rather the sun. Mm. Now, he demonstrated it. And apparently the car maneuvered quite eloquently. The the point being the, the, the motion, if you have an armature that creates motion or a turbine or a piston gone are the armatures gone are the pistons the motive force the kinetic force is the sun if you want a power plant it's the sun right and when you're saying this he's is he actually harnessing the energy of our sun that's sitting in the middle of our solar system or did he recreate did you recreate your own sun that's sitting inside the engine well, I always, I always work with our, the sun and the stars. I, I cannot recreate the sun and the stars. Why would we want to? It's, it's the perfect energy source. Well, then, real quick, but you said that you created a star, right? Like these are stars. It's my, it's, it's, I, I can harness the sun. Let's just put it that way. So my instrument okay. cannot create scalar energy, but can harness scalar energy. Mm. So it's not, it's not a point of origin of. of scalar energy it's a capacitor of scalar energy it's a intermediary right right you're not it's not like you're creating the electricity you're harnessing it in a certain way gotcha and this is what tesla did and you know what more could you want you know again the perfect power plant is not a nuclear power plant the perfect power plant is a star why not it's clean it's infinite energy You'll, you know, you'll, you can access it anywhere. You can access it at the North Pole. Why not use the sun? This is what Tesla saw. This is what I see. Gone are fossil fuels. Gone, you know, no hard feelings are wind turbines, hydrothermal plants. You don't need that. I told you, man, this covers about $100 trillion. I think about 100, really, 100 to $150 trillion well, dollar industries I, that are going to get toppled. I, I've shared my research with some people, and they realize that if we can start working with a billion people a year, you know, just the healthcare savings alone should be half a trillion, a trillion dollars in, in savings a year. What about? I mean, and this, there's probably this probably goes against free will in some way, shape, or form. But why not just 
you know, scan Facebook, take all the images that you see and just throw them into your machine. Uh, I don't want to do that. I'll tell you why, because it's, it's meaningless and I don't have people's permission. I get that. What do I want to do? Slowly educate people. This is not easy to digest. This is a new science. And sadly, I'm one of the few pioneers alive today. And I wish Tesla and Hieronymus were around. They're not. So it's almost a solitary path of mine, not by choice. So how does one man, me, introduce this to 8 billion people? Well, by podcasts. And thank you for this opportunity. Big media does not want to promote my story. Even though I can help billions of people with scalar energy, quantum health, I'm receiving no help from big media. Have you tried reaching out to them? Oh, sure. What's the common response you get? But you can't prove it. No, we're not interested. You know, there's always a gatekeeper. You know? Sure. So the, so the people that I'm approaching, it's not their ultimate decision. It's the gatekeeper behind them. Those decisions are made in Paris and London and, and Tokyo and, and New York. They're not made at the local level. So if we get back to, because this is where it gets interesting, right? Is if you're able to manipulate gravity, you can manipulate time in theory. So, I mean, have you, man, because this is where it gets weird, right? With like, like time theory. And if you go back in time, you know, and change the course of history in a certain way that, you know, certain things never occur, like. I mean, if you were presented with that type of information, I would assume one of your first things to do would to be good to go back in time and talk to like Nikola Tesla or, you know, any of these great names that you're talking about. So how do you see or view these paradoxical questions that arise with time and going back in time and how it affects, you know, this present moment and all of that jazz? You know, I, I don't know if God will ever give me the ability to go back in time. If, if he did, then I could correct, I could warn people about the future and educate them about the future. <clears throat> um, Hieronymus, my predecessor, <clears throat> he had a very strong instrument. The instrument used to levitate. <clears throat> and he did not want to come close to the instrument when it was on because he noticed that a time warp, a time dimension was opening up. So Hieronymus just used this instrument at a distance. It did levitate. But the problem was immediately that if he got too close to it, he, didn't, he did not know if he would enter into a time dimension and go to another period of time in history. So these are, the, the, these are some of the things that have to be overcome with scalar energy. How do we use this energy and not enter into another time war? Right. And... Maybe we can somehow like bridge this into like the the joining of consciousness, right? And through the research I've done with extraterrestrials and anyone who uses spacecrafts to move across the universe in a blink of an eye, it appears to me that there is some sort of connection that they have with their mind or consciousness and the physical machine itself that they are able to just think about a location and be there almost like remote viewers. So have you gotten any sort of inclination of how you could even work consciously with the devices you're using now and like attach your consciousness to them? Yes. Yes. I I believe um, many times when I'm working my laboratory, I've seen my instrument behave according to my disposition. 
So my thoughts affect the outcome of that instrument. Mm-hmm. I always try and pray when I'm working with this instrument. So yes, I, I would agree with you. And to speak to that point, can we teleport at the speed of thought? Yes. Why? You're in a scalar energy environment when you teleport. You're non-physical. And you're out. there is no speed of limit of, of 186,000 miles per second, which is the speed of light, right. electromagnetic spectrum. You're working in non-physical reality in which you can move about at the speed of thought. It's quite profound. And you put all of that together. Is, is that possible? Yes. We can move around at the speed of thought in and only in a scalar energy environment. There is a limit to the electromagnetic environment, which once again begs the question, okay, why, why are we working with limited energy with limited potential? Why not just go to scalar? This is why Tesla abandoned AC electricity. If you look very closely at his career, after his discoveries in Colorado Springs in 1899, he did not produce any electrical instruments of, of any no, no worthy advance. The latter part of his life was almost exclusively de- devoted to scalar energy. Now, a lot of people say, well, those are electromagnetic devices. No, they were wireless scalar energy devices. He, he gave up on AC electricity, apparently. That's the way I look at his career. But you really have to understand, anytime he would say wireless transmission or radiant energy, those are the two phrases that clue you in that scalar energy. Right. But, you know, he for AC electricity he needed wires. Anytime he speaks of wireless communication later in his life or radiant energy, those that's an indication he meant scalar. Are you aware of what that pivot was, or if there was an event or some sort of thought he had that pivoted him away from AC into scalar energy? I understand from what I've read, he placed two magnets close by in a scalar in electrical field. And those two magnets in an electrical field side by side seem to negate this the electrical current, changing it into the double helix. And when he when he observed that, he said it was a release of incredible potential energy. Potential energy. He was right. Now I, I have no idea the schematics he was using, but this is the way it was described. And at least I read that. So he realized you could take a very strong electrical current, nullify the current by placing two magnets side by side, and the result, the conversion, is from AC electricity to scalar. Um, <clears throat> brilliant mind, he he developed many scalar energy instruments. I was going to say, and then because that kind of would have started to show him the connection between electric and magnetic energy. Yes. And then somewhere, did he ever get into the gravitational aspects of the energy or no? I don't know. It's hard to say. I, I, think, um, I think he was involved in the Philadelphia experiment. From what I've read and what people, this is from what I've gleaned from history, he may have had his hand in the Philadelphia experiment. I'm not familiar with what that was. Or, or at least his um, expertise in which there was a Navy ship um, apparently there were two very powerful Tesla coils placed on this Navy ship uh, and the ship teleported from Philadelphia to Roanoke in an instant. Nobody followed the Philadelphia experiment. Nobody followed up on that. <laughs> well, they, they just couldn't believe it happened at that time. But, um, 
there were signs that that was a scalar energy event. So this is super fascinating, right? Do you like, is there, and this is kind of something with spirituality, right? It's almost as if our human minds, whether it's the, the world that we're born into or whatever, we almost find it so impossible to think of things that we deem impossible. We're, we're unable to actually open up our mind to things that we have been told are inaccurate for so long. And to even have, cause I do, now that you were explaining it, it did kind of click with me. I remember the Tesla coils on a ship that teleported, but I didn't really remember too many like things about it. Like, that's so wild to me that there's actually this physical experiment of teleportation, the physical world teleporting to another physical location. And yet the general public was kind of just like, this is almost too impossible for us to believe and to carry on with is it, it like, so I don't know if there's like really a question there, but like, is this kind of, this feels like a similar phenomenon to the, the, the energy that you are likely pushing up against when introducing this to new people. Yeah. It's, it's a new chapter in physics and, and what we've studied in college, God bless does not apply here. And this is why by painstaking research, it's taken me 30 years to ascertain and to arrive at these conclusions. It's, it's, uh, it's been tough. For instance, at the conclusion of the Philadelphia experiment, some of the sailors on the ship interpenetrated into the hull of the ship. Oh. So during this very powerful scale energy force field, the ship and the sailors were non-physical. This is what... This is how you experience scalar energy when it's a very powerful force field. And apparently the sailors said that they could pass through, they could walk through the hull of the ship. At the conclusion of the experiment, if you were passing through the hull of the ship, when the ship went from a non-physical state, scalar state, back to a physical state in the electromagnetic spectrum, some of the sailors were fused into the ship. <laughs> Meaning what? Meaning that the, the, the non-local, spirit-like, non-physical action had ceased, and the, the sailors were then embedded in, inside the ship permanently. So that brings up an interesting point then. It's almost as if this is... There might be something, I'm trying to think of this from like a human psyche perspective, there might be something in our psyche that we at some core level understand that this is real, this exists, but it is so grand and beyond our conscious awareness that we want to even dive in it. We won't even touch it because it's, I mean, it's, it's godlike, right? It's this, it, it is God. It's this energy that if we actually could control it, the things we could control would almost put us in this state of just like unbelievable power that might be just, it, it's like, it's too grand for us to comprehend, right? Like, like I can even imagine, I'm trying to picture myself standing there. This happens, you know, sailors are embedded in the ship. There's a part of me that would want to push it away and say, guys, we got to stop fucking around with this. We need to stop messing around with, you know, this energy of God that we've discovered because of how dangerous and powerful it is. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there, there are some theories that 
the, the experiment went awry because they weren't pulsing the scalar energy. It, it was more, it, it was more uh, an oscillating current. It should have been more of a pulsation. <clears throat> well, on and off instead of an oscillation. What, whatever, whatever went awry, it went awry. And to have the sailors embedded in the whole of this ship, you know, it, it shows that it's a very powerful energy. You have to use this appropriately. And uh, that experiment failed and failed miserably. Well, I mean, I'm going to push you back on that. It depends how you describe failed. I mean, you transported a ship across, you know, time and space, you know, but, but yeah, I, in terms of human life. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's an experiment. You don't experiment with human life. Yeah. That's definitely a, well, <laughs> tell it to our government. <laughs> uh, now, apparently they, they wanted the, the government wanted to conduct this Philadelphia experiment to make the ship invisible. <clears throat> now, oh. prior, during the experiment, the, the ship, it's called the Eldridge, the USS Eldridge, had a green halo around it. It was surrounded by this corona of green color. And I go back to Colorado Springs when Tesla was experimenting, and uh, at at his tower in Colorado Springs, the butterflies in the vicinity of his of his tower had a green corona, a halo around them. So apparently when you develop a very powerful scan energy force field, you, the human eye can see some type of green corona, a crown of green around objects, butterflies and Colorado Springs and the green halo around the ship in Philadelphia. And, and right at that moment, the ship disappeared and it was teleported. So not only was it teleported, but you, you know, when you're in a scan energy environment, many times it becomes invisible to the human eye and you cannot detect it by way of radar, which makes sense because radar can only detect an object in an electromagnetic force field. If the ship is in a scan energy force field, you cannot use an electromagnetic radar to detect something in a scan energy force field. Just as my cell phone as an electromagnetic device, cannot function in a scalar energy force field. And for terminology sakes, like we're electromagnetic beings, right? Like this physical reality is an electromagnetic reality that we're experiencing. Just, just okay. Just confirming, just based on, just uh, in, in this world where it's predominantly uh, electromagnetic energy, because our heart, our heart produces electromagnetic field, right? It, it does, but then. I, it's not my theory that the intelligence for the circadian rhythm is the scalar energy. Why do we have a heartbeat? Mm. It's intelligence. Mm. It's pulling that in from that force field into this reality, which gives this reality the quote unquote meaning, let's say, that we have. So do you think that this is, and I'm trying to think back to, you know, a lot of research that I've done into mostly stone moving like in the with the pyramids with all these ancient technologies of moving these you know stonehenge eastern island moving these grandiose structures miles and miles and miles do you think that this is the lost technology that they had access to that we are just coming back to understanding yes and, and some of those monuments are demonic so that's my belief so there's there's a lot of technology that that can be utilized by the angelic realm so I, um, you know, in, in other words, many of these pyramids, 
even today we could not reproduce these pyramids. So I think there was a demonic influence on many of these structures, including some of the pyramids. What do you mean by that? I haven't heard of this before. There are good angels and fallen angels. I believe the fallen angels have created, built some of these pyramids. If you if you really take a, a close inventory of all the pyramids in the world, there's hundreds, thousands of pyramids. And to this day, we don't have the technology to duplicate that. So I, I believe this is really a demonic influence. Only only a demonic influence could have done, accomplished that. Well, I'm kind of four thousand years ago. Well, I'm kind of confused now, right? But I thought you were saying that scalar energy is what could have been used to create these things. Like, where does that? Do you think? I, uh, I, believe, I believe angels. Angels. <clears throat> I believe an angel is composed of scalar energy. I believe an angel has control over that dimension. Okay, this I'm from a Christian background, so if an angel can control scalar energy, then they can manipulate it. And you, you could do what you want. You have dominion over nature. I mean that quite quite literally. I believe Adam and Eve had dominion over nature. I believe angels still have dominion over nature. Even fallen angels can manipulate scalar energy. So then I'm, I guess the point that I'm confused on is like, where did it turn demonic? The fact that angels used it on the physical reality? Always God's, it's always God's gift, but you can use God's gift inappropriately. So then what about creating a pyramid is inappropriate use of it? Well, if if you're going to create a pyramid, it's still in many ways is a capacitor of scalar energy. It will collect scalar energy. I'm speaking about even, for instance, the pyramid of Cheops. Man did not build that. It's too complicated. I I, I believe only, only that angelic power was necessary to build the pyramid of Cheops. And frankly, I, I don't see... I don't see um, what I would consider the hallmark of wholesomeness and, and virtue there. Uh, so I think there's a demonic influence in many pyramids, including the pyramids of Cheops. I'm not familiar with that one. I'm going to pull a picture up real quick. What, so it, like, it's outside, outside of Cairo. It, some of these pyramids, see, if you look at them, they're not only massive structures, but they're scalar energy instruments. They harness scalar energy. Well, you know, even today, that's a poorly understood topic. How how could a, a pyramid that controls scalar energy? How could how could we have cre- created constructed a pyramid three, four, five thousand years ago? We didn't have that technology, right? I guess this, I this hidden technology, right? I guess I'm oh, so the Great Pyramid is that the Pyramid of Cheops that you're saying? Yeah, the Great oh, Pyramid. Oh, okay. Today, with all of our architecture. It's my contention we could not even build that pyramid. Much of that had to be built by either anti-gravity or, you know, just the precision in building that pyramid. Yeah, I've never. So we don't have that technology to build it. How how was that pyramid built? It's built by scalar energy. Yeah, I've never heard anyone call it Cheops before. I, that's a first for me. But yeah, um, but I, I guess I'm still, and I'm all on board. I'm all on board with this idea of you know, this, this energy that we're speaking of building these pyramids, but I'm still kind of interested in you elaborating on where that demonic essence comes in. You know, I've, I've heard about how the energy is pure. It's from God, but energy can be used for good or evil. It's based on intention. Yes. Thank you. And this is why Tessa never wanted to release his secrets. You know, Tessa apparently took many of his secrets of scalar energy to the grave with him. 
Hieronymus begrudgingly gave up much of his information. I, I met his wife. I never met him. And she, she schooled me in this. And over the course of four or five years of understudy, she would teach me, tell me things. She, you know, she told me how she and her husband could hybridize a plant using energy. They could cross two genomic forms using energy. And I was just fascinated what, what they had accomplished. But, you know, they, it's, it's such, such power. It has to be used prudently. So I'm all on board with that. And I guess I'm going to stick, stick to this question though. It's like, where, where did that ill intent come in then? Right. What was the ill intent of the scalar energy use with regards to the pyramid that made it quote unquote demonic? Okay. If it's my contention, if you look at some periods, the pyramids outside of Cairo are a great example. Man did not do that. That's an angelic monument. And I do not believe that the good angels created, constructed the pyramids outside of Cairo. I believe it's a demonic influence. I believe those are really temples of evil, temples of Satan. And why do I say that? Because if you really look at the geometry and you look at what it draws reference to, it, it, there's always occultic symbols. They don't give honor to God or Jesus. The, those temples give honor to the occult, to, to black magic, to the black arts. So you really have to look at the intent. You have to say, well, who's being honored here? It's a temple as far as I'm concerned. It's not a temple to God. Hmm. Might have to do more research into that because I'm not, I don't know. I guess it's, it's still. It's, it's, it's quite, it gets quite involved. If, if, if you look at many of these, the, the way this t- these, these uh, pyramids were built and what they draw reference to, many of the stars that are aligned that they draw reference to really, really, it, it, it has a, an occultic meaning to it. Why? Well, I, I, I believe it's the, uh, the occultic arts that are at, at play here. I believe some of the pyramids were built by fallen angels. That's my comment. Okay. Hey, I mean, it's an interesting, you know, theory to pursue. I've never looked at it that way. I, I certainly have seen the interdynamics between the, the pyramids and the stars the geometry within them, the way that it has been used for, and they even say that it's been used for like healing their kings and their pharaohs. They yeah. would they would put them in the king's chamber and they would get healed from it. And so, yeah, I mean, I guess they're trying to. But see, this this is what's so so telling. <clears throat> well, if if that science exists, then why why were we not all part of that? Why did why is this still esoteric? See, I don't hide my science. I'm trying to give it away. The secrets of antiquity are hidden. It's like a tease. I'm not teasing anybody. I have 15 days of free session on my website. I'm out in the open. I'm transparent. Gotcha. I don't tease people. I'm trying to impart this knowledge. There's nothing hidden about me. I'm, I'm an open book. I'm not hiding. Whereas you go back in antiquity and, and some people, some civilizations, some, some rulers... They hid the knowledge. Why? To re- to retain power. I'm not hiding anything. So you have to look at the intent. You know, the the good tree bears good fruit. Gotcha. Okay, and maybe that's maybe that's the the corner piece, right? That like you know, if I if I were to bring this up in the future, if I were to say, you know, there might be ill intent with the pyramids, I think that might be the cornerstone piece, right? Is that they only use this for the kings, for the pharaohs, for the people that were in charge to heal them. 
everybody else was kind of just by the wayside. It wasn't, it wasn't, let's use this for the betterment of all of, you know, humans. So, Oh, but now here's then an interesting kind of point to it, right? There would have been somebody who would have, or an angel who would have created it, but could they have actually created it for everybody to use? But then the people who ended up actually only using it were these occultic people, the people in power, they were like, Oh, thanks, you know, fallen angel, but now I'm going to actually just use it for myself and we're not going to give it to the people. uh, That's possible. If if you look, if you take a really good look, there's some people say there's Bosnian pyramids, gigantic pyramids in Bosnia and China apparently has so many pyramids, but the government won't release that. And Antarctica. They've even found them in Antarctica. Okay. So, if you really look at the labor and the time and the material it would take to build hundreds, thousands of pyramids and then never apply that, what's the point? You're consuming so many resources. It takes so many labor hours to, to produce, to create a pyramid. And then they just sit there. No, it's to me, it's a big tease. We're being teased. We're being deceived. It's, it's like crop circles. What's the point? Why are you teasing us? Why, why the artifice? Why the contrivance? Interesting. So this is also a very interesting thing that you're kind of touching on a little bit here, which I've seen pop up in some of my comments of things I've posted, which is, you know, and it is that people believe that I guess aliens as a whole, which I'm very, I think against labeling like all aliens are bad or all aliens are good. I think there's a healthy mix. It's like humans are all Haley are all humans good or bad. It's like, no, there's a spectrum here, but what you even bring up is interesting because a lot of comments are people who like, anytime I talk about alien, not anytime, but a lot of the times people think that it is the devil or they're demons, or it's not people who are here to help humanity as a whole. Well, let me just look at UFOs. That's a broad topic. And apparently UFOs have anti-gravity machines. Would you admit to that? Oh, for sure. And, and apparently UFOs have uh, captured and mutilated uh, animals. Okay? So they have this understanding of, of biology. And apparently UFOs have this ability to, to create unlimited energy. Okay. So why don't, why don't we have this gift of anti-gravity if UFOs have it? And if a UFO can can capture and mutilate a, a, a cattle, then maybe they can perform surgery on people for our benefit. And if UFOs are using this pure, clean energy, scalar energy, plasma energy, what some people call it, why not give us this plasma-free energy? What's the point? Why tease us? You know, I, I, I have, I'm an open book. My website, I don't tease anybody. Visit the website. I give away free sessions. I don't see UFOs giving us free energy. They've been around apparently for hundreds of years. Never once have they imparted any knowledge to us. Do you know of any time that any UFO has ever helped us? Ever? (laughs) It's always the tease. So, I mean, you know, in my mind, it's, it's an, it's an interesting point. It's a very good point at that as well. I, I guess the answer that I would rely on or the one that would come up is that there are still lessons for us to learn there is still karma for us to work off or even if they were to give us this technology right we would use it for ill intent because of our lack of consciousness and awareness like i think i heard in uh uh 
I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but like, you're not, you're not selling these machines. Are you like, you're not selling the, the things for other people to use. Right. And you're right because of malevolent intent. <laughs> well, right. Well, yeah. Oh no, not. I thought you were saying you're malevolent intent. No, other people might use it for malevolent intent. Correct. Correct. So I, I'm going the way of Tesla. I'm willing to work with anybody in the world, but I'm not going to duplicate these instruments. Tesla did not. Hieronymus did not. Well, but then doesn't this doesn't this kind of prove the 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 point that I was trying to exuberate or a lamp and illuminate, which is they don't want to just give it to us that they, they want to almost the tease, right? They want to tease us into saying, Hey, like, look to the stars, look at all this crazy stuff. You can't explain. It's almost like this, this jolt of, Hey, like you guys haven't figured it out all, all out yet. You're not the smartest civilization that has ever come about. And it's this dance of, we can't just come down and give these instruments to you guys because of our, the consciousness, the frequency, the vibration that we're resonating at isn't ready yet for every single person on earth to have a scalar instrument. I, uh, I'll, I'll speak about myself. <clears throat> I realized that to, to manufacture these instruments and I won't would be disastrous. People, people would use it for evil intent. So what do I envision? Well, I want to help people. So I'm going to open up the healing ministry as wide open as I can have a, a, a forum where anybody in the world can submit a photograph to us for free sessions. And I already do that. At least I do that on a limited basis for 15 days. If I ever develop an anti-gravity instrument, well, that's another point. How do I release that to mankind without mankind using that as a weapon of destruction? We're at that tipping point. You know, somebody in the future is going to develop or redevelop an anti-gravity instrument. Are there any certain like governors you could place on this? And maybe I'm being a little bit childish in no. that regards because we're talking about the That's energy of God. Point. That's a good point. You, you can put a governor on electromagnetic energy because it's finite. It's easy to govern. But scalar energy, it's infinite. Which is, which is interesting, right? Because you're... But and so this is kind of where it gets tricky for me, right? Is that you've been able to put two photos together, right, and say whether or not you want to add this to the system or take it away from the system, but yet there's not a limit on what you will allow. Like you can't say, you can't say no money, energy, no physical manipulation of other people, like those governing. That's against my religious beliefs. I'm, I'm not going to use this for greed or for power and control or manipulation. Now, the chakra balancing, I think the chakra balancing is, is the best I'll ever come up with. It's God's energy. It's God's light entering into our psyche. So to me, the chakra balancing might be the most important thing that I do. It's it's a blessing from God. It's a realignment. Right. Well, but so because I'm trying to, I'm still trying, I, I, I feel like there's something here, but maybe there's not. I don't know. We'll have fun with it. Because you were even saying earlier, whenever you would get into the presence of these machines, if you're in a low yes. frequency, then it would disrupt the fr- the machine itself. So oh, is I, is there not a way right to place that catalyst of? I, I, I'm sure you might be familiar with uh, Hawkins, Doctor Hawkins. He creates like this higher level of consciousness vibrations where shame, fear, guilt are like at the bottom, and then it transcends up to like bliss, enlightenment, joy it feels to me like there could be, or I guess I want to say should be, but nothing is should be 
there could be a way that you would build in this safety valve that if you're operating from a level of fear, shame, guilt, empathy, like apathy, you know, those lower frequencies that it just doesn't work and it turns off. I'll speak from my experience. If I come into the presence of my instrument, it picks up my mood. So what do I do when I start treating people? I kneel down and I pray all, all the time, every time, without exception, so that I, I now have a connection, a healing connection with the instrument. And if I'm going to be a part of the healing, then I have to be in, in that state of grace, and I have to pray for the healing of the people. And that's, that's what I do on a daily basis. I, I, this instrument is so, so strong, so subtle. Many times when there's a very strong thunderstorm, lightning is, is really caused by scalar energy. My instrument will give off miniature lightning strikes, lightning bolts during an electrical storm, which is really a scalar energy discharge. So my instrument communicates with a thunderhead, communicates with the scalar energy in the atmosphere. Mm. That's how that's how sensitive these instruments are, and it shows you the consciousness. The consciousness of a thunderstorm, a thundercloud, communicates with my instrument, and you know that it communicates just by those electrical discharges. Yes, yes, and, and many times when there's a, a, a lightning flash, my instrument will spark because the lightning travels to my instrument and gives it a surge of energy. Interesting. Does that then protect you or the area of the lightning strike itself? I think it does. I think it does. Anytime I've had these instruments on, it's I don't see violent lightning strikes anywhere near me or the laboratory. Interesting. Yeah. And they're just always on then? Yes, they are. Just always on. Yeah. That's so wild. Something I will so my laboratories built have built up a force field, a scatter energy force field. And it's it's like a continuous blessing from God. You know, some people pray continuously. Some people use holy water. My instruments are a continuous blessing from God. It's divine energy. Well, that's that's interesting then, right? And I think this embodies the title of the podcast really well of traveling to consciousness. Are we able to just use our own mind? And I and I think this ties in some of Dr. Joe Dispenza's work. Can we just use our own mind to achieve everything that we've just been talking about here from, yes. from, you know, invisibility to teleportation, to healing HIV, to, you know, aligning our frequency, aligning our chakras. It, are we not able to just do that with our mind then? We are, but we haven't trained ourselves. I'm going to say the human mind, the brain and the heart are scalar energy vessels. And everybody has a mind and a heart, and everybody's capable of scalar energy function. We all are scalar energy beings. And we have to realize that. We have to grasp that notion. So I would encourage people to think well and, and to, to, to act well and to, to, to emote, if you will. The way we think, the way we feel is the role that we inherit. Amen on that. And so, I'm, and then I'm also thinking, uh, in regards to this, you were saying that when pe when you turn on your machine for people that they feel better, yes. uh, the way that I'm kind of visualizing it though, is that if you have a, a person who is sick, ill, and maybe not even physically, but just mentally, right? I know in my life, whenever I've made pivots or changes, they've been super uncomfortable. Like if I need to set a boundary or if I need to, 
you know, start setting boundaries is probably the big one. We'll just go with that. If I need to set a boundary that I'm not usually setting, it's super uncomfortable for me to do. So whenever it comes down to the scalar energy and it's just kind of beaming in this energy, do people ever like maybe get sick from it or feel off because there's this like disposition between them and this energy? No, I've never experienced that. If anything, in the first few days, people are elated and people feel better. Okay. People see a shift. They see a shift. It's a positive, like enlightened, aligned shift. But that's kind of, I guess what I'm hinting at, right? Is that if like to shift into more alignment, sometimes that can be uncomfortable, but with this, that doesn't happen. It it doesn't, let let me put it this way. It doesn't produce any type of allergy reaction, biochemical reaction. Is it cathartic? Yes. For some people, they've said it has been cathartic. Many people after the shock of balancing have said, that they revisited suppressed emotions. Mm. That scalar energy brought up a suppressed emotion, and, and they, in some way they've been able to come to terms with that suppressed emotion. So whether it's good emotion or bad, whether it was a favorable outcome in the past or something unfavorable, they at least come to terms with it. It provides clarity. Clarity. Which is huge. Yes, it is. Yeah. So we're, we're still dealing with reality, clarity. Um, whether it's good or bad, whether it was a favorable event or an unfavorable, people still say, yes, I I come to terms with that. And then, as the saying goes, then they move on. Then they have a a better sense of of awareness and they can move on. They can move past it, move on. I guess that's probably what we're all striving for at some level or not, to try to progress. I I love your... your, uh, your uh, slogan, traveling to consciousness. That's you're absolutely right. If if we get past this physical limitation, the physical world is real, but it's not the end result, and it's not the prime mover. The prime mover is the non-physical, which are the instructions. Mm. You know, what, what 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 really impresses me about computer engineering is our intelligence, our creativity produces the program produces the eventual outcome. Well, you know, a spreadsheet is a spreadsheet. Um, Computer-aided design is wonderful, but, you know, I'm not necessarily looking at the end result, which is a brochure or mathematical uh, computation. I'm looking at the intelligence behind that. It's the non-physical intelligence behind computer engineering that fascinates me. Right. Yeah. And here's, here's something that was, as you were kind of talking about my podcast that kind of popped into my head very frequently in the discussion with businesses or with really businesses in general is you're, you're taught to view it as its own entity, right? As if it's its own person, you need to nourish it. You need to feed it money. You need to, you know, cultivate things around it in order to, you know, have a prosperous business with this being said, have you ever, te- could I give you a picture of my, the logo traveling to consciousness? You put it into one of these devices and it like aligns the energetic frequency of my business. You know, I, I think that'd be appropriate. You know, if it's God's energy, God's intelligence, that's just a blessing upon you and your business. 
So some people have done that. Some people send me photographs, say, of a car that they just purchased. They want a blessing. They want some type of protection on their car. Mm. I've received photographs of newly purchased cars. Some people want a blessing on their home. They'll send me a photograph of their home. You know, these are inanimate objects, but they still want that protection or that blessing. And I'm all for that. You know, this, this is, I think, the prudent use of this energy, this light. And we always want to use God's blessing to, to the highest degree. Am I able to open up another 15-day uh, trial with you for my podcast? Sure. <laughs> of course. Of course. Right, I'm going to tell the audience, our website, scalarlight.com. Visit the website. Anybody in the world, you email us a photograph. I will work with anybody in the world in order to introduce this. Scalarlight.com. Tell your family and friends. Send us your photographs. Yeah, I'm gonna. I think you sent me the link, so I'll definitely throw that down in the show notes below. Yeah. Um, Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I don't really have anything else for you. Is there? I usually give this time to my guests. If you want to encourage people, you can promote your stuff, which we've been kind of doing throughout the whole thing. But again, the show notes are going to be down there. So you know, use this time to just speak to the audience, speak from your heart, and yeah, the floor is yours. Uh, I, I want to speak to the audience in, in this one simple vein. Let's welcome this gift from God. Technology is a gift from God. Used appropriately, scalar energy, scalar light technology will help us immeasurably. It will solve problems. So first and foremost, pray upon this. See if this is, is what God is asking you to do. And if so, then at least promulgate this new science. Tell people about it. If you're so inclined, go to the website. Sign up. Send us your photograph. We'll treat you for 15 days. We'll balance your chakras. We'll identify microorganisms, harmful microbes, and destroy them. And then you decide. I, I leave everything up to the people, which is the way it should be. And this is a grassroots movement. So I don't want to dictate the tempo here. I want people to get involved. So please get involved. Help us. This is all grassroots. I love that you say that you said something in there that resonates with me to my core, which is just to leave it up to the people. I, I try to embody that energy so much in, in the podcast and any content I create, which is, I'm just going to present you the information that I found. I'm going to present you with the stuff that I found and it's take it or leave it. It's up to you. If you want to take this into your reality or you want to leave it at the door. So I love that you said that. Yeah. Thank you <laughs> guys. Tom Palladino, go check out his stuff. Go check out his website. I mean, it's 15 days free. I mean, you don't have anything else to lose. I I tried it out for a bit and I'm inconclusive on my <laughs> test results just because, I don't know, it's a long story. I had a couple things. I, I tried doing a different like grounding mat and then I, I tried a couple different things in one day. So it's not an exclusive test. I do feel better though. So I will, I will say that my quality of life has improved in the last 15 days. Um, but that is for a, an entirely new episode on its own. Honestly, I might do a side episode, like a little mini off series uh, to actually kind of dive into that a little bit deeper. But that is all the time that we have for today. So guys, I appreciate you all. And I will see you guys in the sixth dimension.